0: Is this a spiritual podcast? (laughs) Sure is. You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio, the realest conversation on spirituality, finding your truth, and creating a life that honors your soul. I'm your host, Megan Hale, and together we'll grow in more faith, more love, and doing our holy work in the world. We've always been holy, and we were born to be wild. Permission to be both is granted. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Wild and Holy Radio. You know, with each new week that's passing, I'm not only reminded of how close the end of the year is getting, I mean hello, Thanksgiving is next week. Like how in the world did that happen? But also how close it's getting to this new little boy entering the world. And I feel like I have so much left to do. You know, we spent the weekend organizing the junk drawers, you know, the ones where you open them up and there's like an assortment of pens that don't work, business cards, people have left in your door, keys to who knows what, spare light bulbs, or that might just be my husband's obsession. (laughs) Just driving me nuts. Markers that have run dry, loose change, paper clips. And in the case of my motorcycle riding husband, yellow foam earplugs everywhere. <laughs> so now that two of those are down and out of the way, which by the way, we used to only have one of these drawers and now somehow we have three. It's finally on to the big stuff like getting a nursery together, moving my office into a spare bedroom, and. Finally creating a playroom for the soon-to-be boys, also known as the room where I can shut the door and leave their toys however and wherever they lay. Woo, sanity, right? (laughs) So you might say there's a lot of transition happening over here, a lot of preparation, moving things around, speeding up in some ways, and slowing down in others, which actually brings me to our topic for today which is surrender, or more importantly, grief and other four-letter words, <laughs> and this is a big one. You know, we've been talking about the practice of surrender in Wild and Holy Truth this past week, and although I like to think I have so much wisdom <laughs> to offer in this area, I have found myself really struggling with this one lately. You know, this past year has been full of big leaps and milestones for me. I feel like I've, I've grabbed a hold of the wild and holy train and showed up in like full gear for whatever it has needed for me to grow. And there's been this dynamite vision in place, like heart-centered ideas and ways to guide others to their own truth so they can live braver. And there's been all kinds of beautiful moments shared at the retreats this year too. And for the first time in a long time, Um, which might surprise some of you, I felt like I have finally known like where I'm heading and how I was going to get there. And all of it has felt so incredibly good until about six weeks ago. And everything that once felt expansive and delicious started to feel tight and constrained. And as soon as those feelings moved in, (laughs) my immediate reaction was to go, no, 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 we can do this. Don't stop now. Keep going. (laughs) We can make space for it all. Because I knew what was coming on the other side of that. And the reality was that it wasn't time to keep moving ahead at lightning speed, but instead it was actually time to start slowing down. So Um, some of the things that I've already done (laughs) in alignment with that is I have put my larger Facebook group, the Live True Tribe on hold. It's it's currently archived until the beginning of the year because I just needed some more space to really be in my little cocoon that I'm creating over here and really soaking up these last few weeks of pregnancy and being a mama to one and really just really craving a lot of family time. And wanting to turn inward. So really looking at ways that I can help create that space for myself. So that's one of the things that I've done, which wasn't an easy decision to come to. Because, you know, the truth is I've never been like a slow down kind of person. I've had like a need for speed for as long as I can remember. And in fact, by the time I started college, I already had like my whole life planned out and like my whole life back then was like until I was 30, right? So I was going to graduate when I was 20 start grad school when I was 23, be married by the time I was 25, and this is the big one, have put away a large amount of money for retirement by the time I was 30. Like I was going to be set. (laughs) Did you have a plan like that too? It's funny, isn't it? Because if you're anything like me, life didn't exactly go that way. And actually by the age of 19, I had withdrawn from school. Decided to take a year off to get my bearings, also known as get some partying out of my system, and I decided to get out of a toxic friendship situation. I moved states. I transferred schools, and I became 100% financially independent from my parents for the first time and kind of like started life over, really, and of course, this put a whole wrench in the graduate by the time I was 22 thing. And I'll never forget calling my dad one day in like complete meltdown mode during my junior year of college when I realized like even if I took every single summer session that was offered, I was still going to graduate a whole semester late, Ooh, a whole semester late behind the timeline. And in tears, like fueled by stress and fear of how this is going to ruin everything, my dad asked one simple question that literally stopped me in my tracks and I come back to it over and over again. And all he asked was, what's the rush? What was the rush? Like, why did I feel like I needed to go 90 miles per hour all the time? What was I running to? And why in the world did I think I needed to get there so fast? You know, life back then felt a lot like I was on a hamster wheel trying to cram as much in as humanly possible, and I'd love to tell you that so much has changed since then, (laughs) and it has, and it hasn't. You know, I still get attached to visions and deadlines that I create for myself, timelines and timeframes that I love to measure myself on. I love having goals that I'm constantly working towards. It's like it's almost like a part of my DNA or something, it's like a part of what makes me happy. And you know, it's funny because a few years ago, um, I love when you do just a lot of self-reflection work of like, oh, this is why I am <laughs> why I am. You know, Breck and I took a vacation with my parents up to Lake Lore where they filmed the iconic dirty dancing. And we stayed in this beautiful smoky mountain cabin a few miles away from Chimney Rock at the time, which is actually a place I used to go camping when I was little. And at this point in my parents' lives, um, my dad is like almost retired. And my mom has her heart set on, you know, what they're going to do as part of their retirement. And she has her heart set on buying this monstrosity of a (laughs) fixer-upper. And it's, it was an old plantation home in my dad's hometown, had an old barn, a smokehouse, and about as much historic charm as you could imagine an old southern plantation home could have. And she'd been dreaming of restoring like an old plantation home forever. Like literally in her diary that she kept while she was pregnant with me, she talked about this dream and it was like finally within her grasp. And man, she was attached to this dream. <laughs> and my dad, on the other hand, nearing retirement, <laughs> a time to kind of slow down and enjoy the fruits of your labor, he didn't exactly find the idea of restoring an old plantation home or taking care of its grounds a relaxing adventure. And so they were going toe-to-toe over this, like who was going to get their way as Breck and I are sitting in the back seat, like just wondering who's going to win. And as my dad puts his foot down for like the hundredth time in this four-month-long ongoing conversation where my mom is like pulling out all the stops trying to talk my dad into this, my mom says something that Breck and I still laugh about to this day. So mom, if you're listening, (laughs) we laugh with you. And it's funny because it's so very much my mom, but also because I think it's also so very much all of us. So through gritted teeth and frustration, (laughs) she says to my dad, Jimmy, if you don't have a dream, you might as well be dead. (laughs) And she meant it with every single bone of her body and that little phrase has informed a lot of who i am and who i think a lot of us are because dreams are those things that keep us going they keep us growing and are the birthplace of like hope determination bold action imagination and creativity and you know, my mom has always been a big dreamer. I come from a big dreamer. So it's no surprise that I love having big visions and accompanied with the strong work ethic I get from my dad. It's also no surprise that I love throwing myself wholeheartedly into achieving them. Yet, I know we've all been in this place where we've had to realize ambition can't be the only thing that's driving the car, and Rob Bell has a really great podcast out on that right now. I highly suggest you go listen to it because the reality is if, if ambition was the only thing that was driving, we would literally run ourselves into the ground, <laughs> and as humans, we don't function going 90 miles per hour all the time like ambition would like. We have seasons of fast movement and seasons of rest, seasons of integration and seasons of implementation. And what I've had to realize is that I'm entering into a different season right now, a season that's asking me to slow down, which isn't my nature, and start creating a beautiful little cocoon for this little boy who's about to enter the world and really um, enter into this season of like savoring. And savoring feels really good and delicious right now, but it means that there's other things that are having to be put on hold. And the journey here (laughs) to surrendering and to savoring has kind of felt like a street fight with lots of four-letter words, (laughs) which is what we're going to get into. So, (laughs) you know... What that's really meant is that the dreams and visions that I've had for a while and holy next year have had to shift substantially as I've come to terms with how much I can hold space for at one time, how I want things to feel, and this is like a big one, and what I want my family life to be like. I mean, this is just a whole new season that I'm entering into um, that just has different requirements and different asks of me been what this previous season has been like, um, really allowing a lot of my focus to be on wild and holy. So there's been surrendering to the season, <laughs> and I don't know about you, but surrender doesn't always come easy. There's something about slowing down that kind of makes me feel like I'm giving up a little bit. There's something about surrender that makes me feel like I'm giving in. And there's something about resting in the natural season of things that is so obviously (laughs) the right choice that it makes me feel somewhat crazy for resisting it so much. But that's the path of surrender, full of ease and rest and being held once you get there, but usually full of anger, fear, resistance, resentment, (laughs) until you're fully ready to let go. And that, my friends, is the process of grief. And although I'm sure there's a much easier way to get there, and there is, I usually don't take the easy way because maybe I just love the torture. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But truly, there aren't many people I know who surrender easily. And I think that's for a few reasons. The first is we're really attached to how things should go, should in the air quotes, right? From my life plan at 18, not working out, (laughs) to making space for babies and the grander vision in my 30s, you know, learning to flow with life is about having a vision but being flexible. Uh, The second, we usually have a lot on the line. Attached to our vision, meaning we make our visions, or more importantly, achieving them mean something about us, right? So when I do X, then I'll be Y. Or when I reach X, then I can be Y. And the third is we love, 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 (laughs) extra emphasis, to be in control, and letting go means we let go of that. And I have substantially gotten better at this over the years <laughs> because I know I'm I'm always taken care of somehow, some way. I know the world doesn't fall apart if you let a vision go because it always comes back together the way it was intended. And I know I can be okay in the unknown because that's the practice of vulnerability, right? Yet letting go of visions and dreams is one thing. I think surrendering the outcome of relationships is another. And we often forget that everything in our lives is a co creation, right? Our visions and dreams are a co creation with God. Our relationships are a co creation between ourselves, another person, and the divine. And we often forget that last part, by the way. And I don't think anything is as difficult as surrendering the future of a relationship. Because relationships are such a big piece of our life story. You know, we make decisions based on the people we love. We create life fulfillment based on the well-being of our relationships. And when there's conflict here between you and another, it can take a good, long, hard street fight (laughs) before you're willing to recognize you're not in control of what someone else does or doesn't do. And if there's anything more vulnerable than that, Let me know because what's usually at stake here is a big piece of our hearts. This is probably where I hold the deepest space for my clients is how to find the bravery to surrender the outcome of a relationship, how to continue to put forth effort that comes from a place of healthy love versus manipulative love, like doing things so somebody else will do something that you want them to do, right? How to continue to be hopeful while also not attaching too much of your well-being to your desired outcome. And let me tell you, like the journey here can be so incredibly hard because not only is the journey filled with anger that the other person won't do or be who you need them to be, but there's fear and sadness, resentment, and feelings of helplessness at times as we as humans do wrestle with what's in our power To control. And this is grief. (laughs) Grieving over who you thought someone was supposed to be, the relationship you thought you were supposed to have, the future you thought you were signing up for. And if you add on layers of empty promises with no follow through, not only are you grieving the relationship you wanted and dreamed of, but you're grieving the repeated disappointment of this other person not showing up for you. But I think more than anything, you're grieving the limits of your own power. And we often miss this one big piece. This is probably what hurts the most. Because instead of surrendering in that moment, <laughs> what many of us like to do is try harder. And we try and fix ourselves so we can fix someone else, not realizing that the more we try and fix the situation, the more we're trying to control it. And the more we try and control it, the angrier we become that we aren't getting our desired outcome, which increases resentment, right? And we end up feeling like we're beating our heads against the wall, right? And I don't know about you, but I I like to beat my head against the wall for a while before I realize that wall isn't moving and maybe there is another way. And some may call it hardheadedness. I like to call it determination. (laughs) But either way, first we grieve, then we surrender. And once we do, we wonder, like, what in the hell took us so long to get here? Because surrender is peace. Surrender is trust. Surrender is like being held by two big, strong, loving hands that are protecting you and your situation and are already working out the best outcome for you, and everyone else involved. And you know, there have been times in my life where surrender has come easy. I've, I've felt the grief coming and known that surrender would be on the other side. And I've gone willingly. I've actually moved through the acceptance phase of grief quite quickly and handed it all over. And when I can do that, oh my goodness, <laughs> there's so much less suffering but either way, grief is an important piece. It's necessary and it's human. You know, as life shifts and changes directions, as it often does, right, we have to grieve what once was, what we most wanted, and sometimes what we didn't even know we wanted until we realized we weren't getting it. And you know, I've talked about this on Facebook, but haven't really mentioned it here on the podcast. But when I found out I was having another boy instead of a girl, I cried my eyes out for half an hour straight, like straight up sobbing and snot bubbles as I sat in the parking lot realizing that a little girl wasn't in my future and all kinds of thoughts went through my mind. Thoughts like I should be happy I can get pregnant because not all women can I should be happy the baby is healthy because not all babies are. I shouldn't expect the sex of a baby to determine their gender and who they'll become. I shouldn't even put so many stereotypes and gender norms on a little soul. I mean, so many thoughts going through my mind, right? Yet, I couldn't deny the very real reality of grief. And at the bottom of those feelings, I knew like everything was perfectly designed. I knew this would all make sense one day. I knew God knew what she was doing, but I couldn't go there right away. I had to grieve what would never be. And grief was the path to surrender. It was the path to acceptance. And I. Some of those journeys, you guys, are easier than others, and some are far harder. But recognizing first the grief, then the surrender, is a lot like recognizing first the pain, then the rising. We can't go around the things that hurt or pretend the visions we had never existed. We can't pretend letting go is always easy because it always isn't. But what I do know is that surrender offers us an opening. It offers us ease and resting in something bigger than us. It offers us less pain and less suffering once we arrive there. And I think one of the most beautiful gifts is we realize we can be out of control of a situation and still be at peace all at the same time. And what a blessing that is to know that we can find peace within the chaos because P.S., there's always chaos at some level and there's always the availability of peace. So as I look at my journey, you know, it's become a lot easier to know my limits of power and control when it comes to relationships and other people. I still struggle (laughs) with recognizing the limits of my power and control to timelines and dreams and visions, and that's been even harder for me to let go of, and I think also, you know, there are things that I have not experienced that I know some of you have, you know, when a loved one is faced with a terminal illness or with some sort of medical complication or a diagnosis that can be a time where you just feel completely out of control and helpless and having to surrender that um, that hasn't been a journey I have walked personally yet but I would imagine that one is incredibly difficult Um, there's all kinds of things that happen in our life's journey that we just feel are out of our power, out of our control and needing to surrender that thing to something bigger than us to find more peace and ease along the way. And I would love to tell you that surrender is so easy. You just have to do X, (laughs) Y, Z. But in my experience to really surrender, to really go there, to really hand something over You have to grieve. You have to grieve the reality. And grief for me is such an act of bravery, but it's also an act of love, of really honoring um, your attachment to something because you care so much. And when I can view it that way, grief doesn't feel like so much of a four letter word. (laughs) Because once somebody brings up the awareness of, like, I need to grieve this. Um, two things happen. One, we walk willingly into the grief because we've done it before and we know how much transformation is available to us. Or two, we kind of are like, oh, hell no. I don't want to go there because we're we're afraid of the pain. And I think that learning how to grieve, oh my goodness, learning how to grieve is such a, A huge human skill that will serve you again and again and again because grief shows up in all kinds of ways in our lives. All kinds of ways where we don't even really realize it until we're just feeling like we're like banging our heads against the wall. Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? (laughs) Because maybe it's not meant at this time. Maybe this isn't meant for you. Maybe this isn't meant for this person. Maybe this isn't the outcome that is meant to be. And having to grieve that grief is such a big part of being human and surrender is such a big spiritual practice of helping us find more ease and less suffering. So I would love to hear from you in the comments, you know, is surrender a street fight with lots of four letter words for you on the way there? do you resist it? Do you want to like keep on holding on to what you want to see happen? It's hard to let go. Do you surrender easily? Are there things that are easier to surrender than others? Are there things where you're like, okay, I know that I know this is my limit of control and power. I can let that go. And then there's other areas where you're still learning. You know, because the reality is there's very little that is in our control. And when I was earlier on in my journey working um, on my anxiety, it was like really scary to realize <laughs> that not a lot was in my control. And then when I finally got it, that control was just kind of like a figment of our imagination. I was like, oh, I don't really need to be so scared of this because this has always been present. And the more I've deepened into trust and faith and created a relationship with the divine on my own terms, this piece, the relationship with the divine on my own terms, this has been life-changing for helping me surrender more easily. But I'm not sure surrender is necessarily like a natural first choice for us humans. And we often forget there is a divine timing to all things. There is a real limit to what we can hold space for simultaneously, that we are always in flow with our seasons, right? And as I shift into this next one, I'm reminded that every season has its end and its beginning. You know, this little cocoon I'm creating will make way for a baby soon enough. And then it will be the season of adjustment and transition as a mama of two and then adjustment and transition to finding the harmony between dreams and and little people and also myself and marriage again. And with each new season, there's probably going to be some grief. There's probably going to be some surrender and most likely in my case, some four letter words. (laughs) But... I can be determined and detached at the same time, which is maybe one of my next lessons that I'm learning. So, I would love to hear from you what surrender is like, what the process is like. Do you have to grieve first before you surrender? Is there usually all of those stages of grief mixed in there the anger, the resentment, the frustration, the sadness, right? the shock, the denial, (laughs) the bargaining, oh man, the bargaining, right? But maybe we can see the grief as our path to deeper surrender. So I will see you guys next week for another episode on Loud and Holy Radio.